Good morning. Good to see you. I tell you, I was sitting here, sitting over there, trying to get John to hurry, hurry, hurry. Because I, and let me tell you why, while I'm getting my nest made here. Um, since June of last year, I have been scheduled to bring the message about three times. And each and every time, something's happened. I was scheduled to bring the message last week. Anybody remember what happened last week? So I was, I was just tickled to death to get to make it, actually make it up here today to, to uh, bring a message to you, bring a wor God's word to you. And we're going um, to be talking about, I'm going to be bringing a message on uh, discipleship today, as you probably know. I didn't title this, less, this uh, message. I just left it as one of the parables because a discipleship says it all. Before I leave this mic, I want us to begin with a word of prayer before we start anything this morning. Father, we just thank you for the privilege it is to open your word and seek its truth. And we just pray this morning that as we uh, look into it and we and we discuss what it means to be a disciple, that that uh, we'd feel your presence, Lord. That uh, that. Uh, the words that that uh, that comes this morning would would not be um, there be no distractions that you would you would give me the power to to bring it uh, clearly and that uh, it be received that way in Jesus name we pray Amen. Is there a children's church? Okay. Children dismissed already. They're already on the way. Okay. I was, uh, I was going to remind you of a couple of things that you, I usually do whenever I bring the message, and I'm not going to do today. Usually, when I get the privilege to bring a message, I usually do something. I usually do something to get your attention. I was reminded a few weeks ago, my brother Jed Tedder reminded me of, of a message a while back, a couple of years back, where I actually used him as part of the grabber, you know, to get everybody's attention. And that message was on what it, how easily our focus gets broken. But I started thinking, you know, Jed remembers being used to that message. He remembers the shock it caused, but he didn't remember the message. Right, Jed? Yeah, okay, good, good. That, the trouble with, with the things that I do, and, and each and every time I've done something, get you out of your comfort zone. Today I'm not going to do that because I would like for us to concentrate on what the word says, on what, um, what it means to be a disciple. Um, got, my, got my notes upside down here. Um, we'll be looking at discipleship and I wanted to start with that question. Do you know what it means to be a disciple? Do you know what a disciple actually is? Do you? I will repeat again, I, this is one thing about not teaching, I can't get answers from you. But that's okay. In your mind, is there a picture that comes to your mind whenever I say that word, disciple? Do you know what a disciple is? What mental picture do you have? What does it look like to you? Um, I thought to help you out with that, I was going to look in Webster's dictionary definition. 
for what disciple meant. Many times when you look in a secular dictionary, um, the definition doesn't translate well to, to spiritual lessons, to spiritual things. But in this case, it really does. Dave, do you have that definition? Webster's definition of disciple is this, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrine of another. One who accepts, and uh, you see if we've made that assist bold, assists. There's the distinction between just a believer and a disciple. Um, I'm going to leave, I'm going to uh, um, say a, a statement to you that I want you to think about, and I've been argued, I've said this statement for years, and I've had preachers, including our last pastor, argue with me about it. But I can back it up scripturally, what I'm fixing to say. Salvation is free. Discipleship cost. A couple of weeks ago, Brian, um, in his sermon of, of the cursing of the fig tree, talked about the high cost that Christ paid, the cost that had to be paid for us to be able to enter the presence of a holy God the huge cost that, that Christ paid, the, the cost that God demanded, the shedding of blood, the shedding of the perfect blood, the perfect Lamb of God, so that we could see God, that cost. And I kind of picked up on that, um, the, the, the cost that, that Christ paid was astronomical compared to what it cost us to be a disciple. Astronomical. The perfect Lamb of God allowed himself, you ever think about that, allowed himself to be crucified for us. He took on that, he took on that, our sin, and he paid the price. He paid the cost. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21, verse, verses 28 through 32 today. Um, but I want you to be thinking about that statement I made as we read this. And as we discuss it, I want you to, to think about that and see what you think about that statement I made. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs, always costs. As we look, as we begin looking at this, uh, at this parable, uh, it's the parable of the two sons. And that's not to be confused with the parable of the prodigal son, but the parable of the two sons. And I'm going to give you a little background so we can get a little review of what's going, going on here as we get into this parable. Uh, you'll remember as we, uh, the chapter before, we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem on the donkey on Palm Sunday. Uh, he's gone to the temple. He's purged the temple. He's driven out the money changers. He's uh, overturned the tables. Uh, then, like I said, uh, last couple of weeks ago, Brian preached about the cursing of the fig tree. And then just prior to where we get into this particular parable, um, Jesus is in the temple courts preaching, teaching. And in attendance, there are the chief priests and the, and the uh, elders, is how the NIV says, chief priests and elders. Are present and they're as usual. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to um, make light of what he's doing or or uh, undermine what he was doing. And they ask him a question. And in response to his to their question, he asks them a question. 
They ask him what authority that he does the things he does. And he asked them a question back uh, about John. And while the elders and the chief priests won't answer that question, Jesus tells them, well, if you won't answer my question, I'm not going to tell you what authority that I do the things I do. Um, so that's where we pick up our reading. If you can follow along in your Bible or your, or your device or uh, on the screen there as I read. Um, verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in, in the vineyard. He said, I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did his father, did what his father wanted? And this is the chief priest and the, and the elders answering. The first they answered, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this and did not repent, even after this you saw this and did not repent. Um, this may seem like an unusual parable to use when we're talking about discipleship. When I first read it, I thought, you know, this is really not a good one to talk to use for for that. But the more I read it, the more I see that there's two lessons here that go so well with with discipleship that uh, you almost have to share both of them to see the the, the lesson on discipleship. Um, and you can look at the first son. The first son, if, if, if you look at this in, in regard to, or when you're thinking about salvation, the, the, uh, when the, the gospel of salvation is preached, uh, if you remember, you may remember me talking about this in the past, I was not saved till I was 32 years old. I can relate to the first son very well. When it comes to accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, I heard the message of the gospel, or I, rather, I was exposed to the message of the gospel many times. My answer was no. Uh, I, I didn't respond to it. But then, when I least expected it, and I heard the message when I was 32 years old, I was saved. Amen. I was saved. It's, 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 uh, God works things out, Jesus works things out in his own good timing, but I can relate very well to the first son. And I think some of us in here can, are the same. I think, I think they're, they're, if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you came to Christ the first time you heard the gospel? I don't know how many hands would go up. How many of you came the second time, the third time? I think it's not all that unusual for the message to not make its way through the first time. So if you think about, the, about what the first son's reaction was, saying no and then going to do what he said, I, I relate that to the gospel message, to the message of salvation. But it also works very well uh, if we think about being a disciple. Um, the first time someone's asked uh, uh, to do something, 
And we're talking about someone who's accepted Jesus Christ, someone like you, like me, who accepted Jesus Christ, but is not yet involved in ministry, not yet involved in, in, um, in doing, uh, uh, carrying on ministry, uh, doing things for the community, doing things for the church, serving in the church. Um, a lot of times when you ask someone to do something, what's, what's the response? Well, I, I can, I'd like to, or no, I can't because I'm too busy. Time. I don't have the time. I can't, I can't do it right now because I'm too busy. Um, or I'm too tired. Or I'm too bashful. No, I can't do it because I'm too bashful. How many of you are, well, I don't want you to raise your hands. John, yeah, John is. He doesn't even know the question, but he knows he is. Um, I have personally I have said things like no I can't do it because I had this I had this going on I had that going on I can't do it and that's you know that's the most common response today because we're all what we're all busy we are all very busy people if you don't believe it just ask somebody to do something you know we're, we're really busy um, but the difference in a disciple and someone who's not a disciple, is they find the time. You know, I, I started thinking as I went over this, this message a while ago. By the way, it only took about 55 minutes to do, so we're, we'll be out of here by two at least. Uh, I started thinking about how, how uh, harsh it sounds. It sounds kind of harsh. It's not like I'm coming in here and doing something for you to make you feel good. But it's actually not. It sounds that way, but it's actually not. Being a disciple is a great thing. Being a disciple is a good thing, a desirable thing. Um, we talk about the second son. Looking, in the, looking back in the word, the second son Father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, I will, sir. But then he didn't go. You know what that's called? That's called giving it lip service. You know, you ever you familiar with that term? Giving it lip service. You know what that means? It means I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, but I'm not going to do it. Anybody ever do that? I do. I've done it. I can tell you that I've done it before. I can easily tell you what you want to hear, don't want to hear, what you want to hear, and then turn around and not do it. That's a human trait. I have a brother who is a great manager. A great, I'm not a good manager, by the way, as far as a business manager working for someone, because I can't tell two different people what they want to hear. I don't know how well John does. I'm going to pick on John because he picks on me each and every time he's up here. Uh, but he, he can tell the boss what he wants to hear. He can tell the people under him what he wants to hear. And he makes it sound like he's going to do it. To, and doesn't do, doesn't do it for anybody. Doesn't do it for either one. I'm sorry? Oh. <laughs> good, good. But, you know, if, we, if, we, if I go back to what I was talking about before, the first son, relating that to salvation, so many times you see, we see in the church, we see uh, as spectators in the church, someone come forward and say, oh, yes, yes, I get the message. I, I want to accept Jesus Christ. And then you don't see him again. 
or you don't see them very much, or they say, yes, I got it, yes, I want to be a part, and then we don't see them because of why? Because it wasn't real, because it was an emotional response. Um, and the second son did the same thing. Uh, if, we, if we're talking about discipleship, we see that same thing when, we, when someone agrees to carry on a ministry, to be a part of something, to be a disciple, to, to uh, be a part of the church family and says, yes, I will, and then, what, you don't see them. This is the harsh part of what I was saying. It's, I promise you, I can see the looks on your faces. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. This is the harsh reality of what happens in the church sometimes. Salvation is free. Discipleship cost. Always cost. Um, and then the last part of this, of this parable, where Jesus, I'm going to read it again, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent. He's giving these guys a good chewing out for the way they're being. The guys that he's talking to, he's talking to, the chief priests and the elders have been students, most of them, of the Old Testament all their lives. If anybody should get the message, it should be them. But the ones who are getting it are the ones that would be looked upon as the dregs of that society. You know, to, for Jesus to use uh, the example of prostitutes and tax collectors, that's saying the lowest of the low, of the low are getting the message. The lowest of the low are getting the message and coming to God. But you sit there, you're the ones who should know better. You're the ones who should get it, who should understand you're not doing a thing. Um, they're hearing it, but they're not responding. Um, you supposedly have it all together, and you're not getting the message. I, ask, I want you to ask yourself this question and be honest. Which of the brothers do you represent? This is the hardest question. Which of the brothers in this parable represents you? If you're real honest with yourself. Are you the one that says, no, I won't, but then goes and does? If you are, great. Uh, you might start leaving the no part off and just go and do. But if you're the one who says, yes, I will, and then doesn't go and do, you know, you need to re really examine yourself and see, and see what's going on there. If you're a believer in Christ and that's happening, you need to be real honest with yourself and think about that. Uh, if you're the first brother, if, you're, if, you if the first brother represents you, great. Just keep on keeping on. That's good. If you're the second brother, if he represents you, then it's not too late to change that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, I want to try to explain that statement. You remember what that statement was I made? Does I want you to think about? What was it? Salvation is what? Discipleship cost. And for me to explain that in, this, in the um, explanation I've used when I've tried to explain that to pastors and to others um, is this. That I use, I, I use the word, 
I can't make a statement like that without backing it up in the word of God. I can't. Um, if I tell you I think this or I think that, if I tell you I think that, that uh, this is how it is, this is what the word means, I think if I can't back it up in the word, then it's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. And so to explain what I mean about that, I'm going to use another passage of scripture. Uh, you can turn in your Bible if you'd like to. Uh, I'm going to talk about salvation first. What, does it, what do you have to do to be saved? This, this is an easy question. What do you have to do to be saved? In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, Paul tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you get that? Those two things. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You notice what's missing, what's, what's missing there? What's missing there is there's no dot, dot, dot after that. There's no dot, dot, dot. You will be saved, period. Costs you nothing. That's free. That's the free gift of God. It costs you nothing. It costs Jesus Christ everything. For that to happen. It doesn't say however that. That, that uh, uh, if you confess with your mouth. Jesus the Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And you attend church every time the lights are on. And you uh, are baptized. And certain words were said. And you and you and you. That's missing. Because that's not what it is. This salvation. This one that we worship. This, this grace that we're under is one way, and that's by, through, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. That's it. That's all there is. When we talk about uh, discipleship, however, if you look in John chapter 14, verse 21, this is where the rubber kind of meets the road about being a disciple. Um, and John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. He's talking about discipleship here. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. And you know what? There's a word there that I, I won't call it a bad word. But it's a word I don't care too much for. And that is obey. I don't do well with that word. I haven't done well with that word all my life. Um, I've done better with it since I've come to Jesus Christ, but I really despise that word. In fact, John has made, made the comment several times that he, I'm the oldest nonconformist he knows. But that's, that's really not true. He, doesn't, he can't see clearly. But... <laughs> That word obey, that word obey means you have to do something. It takes something. To obey somebody, it requires you to do something. And so that starts to show us the difference between salvation and discipleship. And the main argument against that statement is that 
if, uh, that if once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a Savior and Lord, that you are automatically a disciple. But that's not how I see the Word. That's not how I see it in the Word. The Word doesn't back that up. Uh, you, can, you can be saved just by doing those two things. But, set, but to be a disciple requires obedience to a command. Um, and as harsh as that sounds, you may be sitting there thinking that you've been a disciple all your life. But you've been sitting there under the umbrella of salvation and never moved. That happens. That does happen. Um, and the commands he's talking about are some that, it's something else that Brian covered a couple of weeks ago. You remember what the commands are? They're in, they're in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Whoever has my commands, those are his commands, and obeys them and does what they say, he is the one who loves me. He is the, lover. He is the one who loves Jesus Christ. He is showing himself as a disciple. He's obeying those commands. And he's going. To obey means, you, you have to, if you obey those commands, you automatically become a doer of the word. And that's the thing about a disciple. He's a doer of the word. He's a doer, like, it's like James speaks of. Don't just be, don't just read the word, do what it says. And there's the diff, there's one of the differences in being a disciple. Um, obeying the command, obeying the commands. There, there's, that's the big difference. I, uh, my notes are upside down. That cost, that, you're, that cost of being a disciple that we talked about a minute ago when I talk about salvation being free and discipleship costing. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what that cost winds up being? That cost winds up being, in many cases, your time. That cost winds up being your know-how. That cost winds up being uh, one of your talents, using your talents for the church, for your church family, for the kingdom of God, um, using your experience. And sometimes that cost could just be your presence somewhere. Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is to be with them, to be present with them. Um, being a doer of the word, uh, assisting, loving your neighbor as yourself. If you want to see an example of what a disciple is, I'm going to, I'm going to get into kind of the lighthearted side here. If you want to see what an example of being a disciple is, look on the screen. I could not have picked better timing. God could not have picked better timing for me to bring this message than just after what happened this week. Look at all these people. Look at, look at that guy. Look at all these people. Look what they're doing. They're serving Jesus Christ by doing what they can to love their neighbor as their self. You may not think that this is a, well, this is a great example. I can tell you that right now. This is, that was a great example. It went by kind of fast, but those, that, that's what we're talking about. It could be something just like that. It was giving of their time, giving of their talent, 
You may, you may say, well, I'm not a good cook. I'm not a good whatever. Your being a disciple may not look like that. But they took the exact instructions for what Jesus said, loving their neighbor as their self. You know, it would have been a lot easier for all those people to stay at home. I think on Sunday we all said I had electricity and water. Stay in your house and be warm and not come out and do what they did. That going the extra mile, that putting feet and hands to the church. And I tell you the, the truth, more people in this community noticed than you can believe. More people in this community saw what was going on. Uh, I don't know if that picture was there. I didn't see all of them, but one of them was three guys standing out here under the awning trying to keep their footing while a picture was taken. It would have been home, so much easier for those guys not to risk falling down, which one pastor did. I won't make say names. <laughs> But I can sympathize. I laughed, that. I laughed when he told me that, and then I fell down twice that day after I laughed. <laughs> but that was, those, you know, the timing. I was kind of out of sorts last week because I couldn't bring this message. But then when I saw that God, it showed me again that God's timing is perfect. Here's the perfect example. Here's what a disciple looks like. But it may not be what, looks, what it looks like for you. It probably won't be what it looks like for you. You may not be... A Mandy Colley who can go into the kitchen and cook a bunch of meals. Or uh, all the other ladies who were there who cooked a bunch of meals. You may not be that person. But what you do have, what you can bring, and the feet you can put to the word, it's just as important to the kingdom. Just as important to the kingdom. Uh, you know, Paul speaks in, in one of the letters to the Corinthians about the church uh, being made up of many parts. Just like the human body is made up of many parts. And all the parts are vital to the operation, to the function of the body. You may be, if, you may be the big toe. You may be the finger. I don't know. You may, be, you may be called on not to be the one who does the discipleship ministry that's seen. You know, that was very visible. The thing that were done during the week with the meals, very visible. People saw that. People saw that, and, and a lot of people were inspired by that. You may be the one who did things behind the scenes. You may be the J.D. Sanders who brought the propane. J.D. didn't announce that. He never said that. A lot of people did things behind the scenes. They're just, they're just as important disciples as the ones who had their picture taken. Not to take away from any of them. But the thing about it is your, your picture of discipleship will look totally different in many cases than mine. And that's, and that's good. That's when the body works the best. Um, there are a few things that you can always tell. I'm going to say you can always. I hate to say always. There are a few things you can always tell. Few, a few traits always mark a disciple. Always, always, always. A disciple always spends time in the Word. A disciple always spends time in prayer. If you want to be a disciple, if, you're not, if you can sit there and say, I'm not being a disciple there right now. I'm, I'm sitting here enjoying salvation being free. I'm not being a disciple. I'm not paying the cost. If you desire to be a disciple, you can start right here. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in fellowship with others. You're here because you 
desire fellowship with other believers. Whether you know it or not, spend time in fellowship. Spend time in worship, what we're doing right now. Um, a disciple always does those things. Always. Um, and the other thing is, you may be, you may be sitting there. I can't, I can't part with you without, without talking about this. It's very common to say, well, I don't know. For someone to say, I don't know what my being a disciple looks like. I don't know where I belong. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what my gift is. And I've got to say something about this because it reminds me of something Brian said last week, a uh, week before last. If you remember, Brian mentioned a movie. I think it was an Avengers movie. Remember that? I've never seen an Avengers movie. I haven't seen any of them. I don't know what, what, what they are. But it's okay. I don't have anything against them. I just never saw them. But when he said, he said that one of the characters in that movie made a point and held his finger up. And during that movie, at other times, when the scene shot to him, am I saying this right? He had his finger up, right? Well, that made me think of another movie. And I think it makes this point very clearly. And uh, I have to say, it goes back a little further than the Avenger movies. And I've, I've got to say something about this, too. A couple of weeks ago, John said something about a song being old from the last decade, for heaven's sake. Well, <laughs> he really doesn't know, y'all. He doesn't know. But in the, back in, I think it was in the 80s, there was a movie that you may have seen called City Slickers, a deeply spiritual movie. <laughs> and I'm... T- <laughs> I think about, and Brian got me to think about this when he, when it was his message that two weeks ago. That movie, if you've never seen it, is about um, some younger, some guys in their 30s, late 30s, who live in New York, who um, once a year go on a big adventure of some kind. This particular year the movie takes place. They go out west and they go to a place they can uh, drive a, a herd of cows over two weeks from one place to the other. They learn to be cowboys they learned to rope and ride and and, and uh, learned to be cowboys and the trail boss uh, was played by a guy named Jack Palance he's dead now but and he was the rough tough don't take no stuff cowboy knew, knew everything and they're all about half scared of him has anybody seen this movie before oh yeah good and uh, in one of the scenes uh, a guy named Billy Crystal also plays in this movie and one of the scenes, Billy was really kind of afraid of Jack Blance. His name was Curly in the movie. And they went, they had a cow down, they went, found the cow, and uh, Curly made Billy Crystal pull the calf. She was calving, couldn't have the calf. Made Billy Crystal pull the calf. If you've never pulled a calf, you don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> Billy Crystal pulled the calf, and he's sitting there, and then you hear... Curly killed the mother because she was not going to make it. And Billy Crystal goes crazy because he's a city boy and doesn't know what's what. And, and then it, they have, they're so far from the camp, they have to camp that night. And during the time they're together, um, Jack uh, Curly tells Billy Crystal, the character says, you know, this happens every year I see some of you people come out, some of you young guys come out here looking for the answer to life. What's the answer to life? And he says, uh, I'm going to tell you what it is. And he holds his finger up. I finally got to the point here, Brian. I hold this finger up. 
And Billy Crystal says, what, your finger is the answer to life? He says, no. One thing. One thing is the answer. And Billy Crystal says, well, what's that one thing? What is it? What is that thing? He says, that's up to you to find out. That's your place to find out. You've got to figure that out. And when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ and finding out where you fit, this seems to fit so well for me. It's that one thing. Find that one thing. And this is not the only area that works in. I, I was a mechanic all my life, a truck mechanic. And whenever we would have a new mechanic come in that didn't know a half inch from a 916th, we would put him on doing one thing over and over and over until he got so sick he either cried, quit, or he learned how to do it, or all the above. And you'd find eventually you move him from one thing to the next thing, you find what this guy is good at, and that's what becomes his specialty. I'm saying that if you would like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you don't know what it is that you've been called to do, try to figure out this one thing. If that first thing you try doesn't, is, is not the area that you, you're called to serve in, try the next thing and see what it is. I guarantee you, in the body of Jesus Christ, there is a place for you. There is a place for you to be a disciple. There is a place for you to come and serve, to be a doer of the word, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, and to be a part of this church body. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no better time than today. That gift of salvation, that salvation, that free, salvation being free, all you've got to do is make the decision. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. We're going to have an invitation in a minute, and I challenge you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, don't go a minute longer. You see the stuff that happened last week could have just as easily been the last day for everybody, for, for somebody. Could have just been as easily been the day that you were involved in that, what, 150-car pileup in, in Fort Worth. Probably not here in Mason, but um, if you feel led, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ, don't wait. Come forward. I'm going to pray here in a minute, and then if, if uh, you need to make that decision, if you don't have a church home, if you're visiting, if you're our guest today, and you would like to make this your, your church home, come forward. There'll be somebody, you, this is a good body of believers to be a part of. We can find a place for you to be a disciple. Come forward. If you, if you would just like to come to the front and pray, Lord, show me the way I can be a disciple. This altar is open. As the, we're going to have a hymn of invitation, a song of invitation, and then um, I invite you to come forward as soon as the first note is played. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that uh, we see in your word that you call us to, to be the hands and feet of your church. We, we know that uh, that's clear. We know that uh, um, you have, have paid the ultimate cost so that we can come to a holy God and so that we can, we can serve here, that you have a place for us to serve, Lord. You have a place for us to be doers of the word. And we just pray that if there's... Somebody here this morning who hasn't even taken that first step, who hasn't ever accepted you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior and Lord, we pray that they would come boldly forward and 
if someone needs to be a part of, who, who feels led to be, uh, become members of this church, that you would do the same, that they would come forward, Lord. Uh, we thank you again for your word that's timeless. We thank you for the, the directives that are in it, for the things that, the guidelines you give us, for, for the, um, the rules, for, well, not the rules, for the, for the uh, direction it gives. And we just thank you again for your love. And thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them His very own. And He bore the burden to Calvary. Suffered and died alone We're singing how marvelous How wonderful And my song shall ever be How marvelous How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And when the ransomed in glory, His face I at last shall see, it will be my joy through the age. Ages to sing of his love for me. Cause we're singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. And how marvelous, how wonderful. Savior's love for me Singing how marvelous How wonderful is My Savior's love for me Amen. Eddie, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the message. Um, you know, uh, 
there's knowledge-based discipleship and there's obedience-based discipleship. The knowledge-based discipleship doesn't bear fruit. The obedience-based discipleship changes the world. And one of the great ways to discover this discipleship is through our life connection groups. And it's so, so interesting. And, and God's timing is always humorous and funny and spot on. And this morning, our, our lesson in our life connection group that I've been attending was on obedience-based discipleship and what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. And um, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to go, therefore, and make disciples. I'd love for you to be a part of those. They meet every Sunday morning at 945. I also want to talk about something. I, I mentioned giving a little bit earlier. I want to celebrate something. Um, I was reminded when I went back. Uh, Lottie Moon, we kind of carried it through January, and it just ended. And uh, our church gave $200 over our goal. So we gave $1,200. So that's something to celebrate. And we also helped out the Jefferson family. I want to get this total right. Um, we raised $1,125 for the Jefferson family in their time of need. That's the church being the church to the community. And uh, that is so exciting. Uh, Only being here almost a month to see this church rising up to make an impact in the community on a regular basis. I know coming down front can be pretty intimidating. Uh, We've created, we've added some space back there in the Welcome Center. Um, If if you want to make a decision today, if you want to talk to me or or any of the lay pastors or deacons, they'll be hanging around back there. Um, If you need prayer, um, if you want to find out more about joining the church or being part of a life connection group, if you want to find out about the IF gathering, we'll be back there. Um, Stop by, talk to us. Love to meet you if I haven't met you yet. And uh, um, my prayer for you this week is that you will take this message to heart. Start to begin to discover how God wants to begin to shape you and make you into his disciple and apply that to your life and go and change the world. Thank you for being here.